Hi, this is Verbal, and you're listening to Artistry. Welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. All right, and welcome, welcome back. Today's guest is Verbal. Verbal is a international hip hop recording artist, music video director, and record producer. Mr. Verbal, thank you so much for being here today. Wow, thank you for the very kind intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thank you. Our pleasure. So let's start from the beginning. I know you have been in the industry now well over, what is it, 20 years? Yes, that's correct. And originally from Japan, but you actually did go to school here briefly and then came back for um, for college where you studied philosophy and business marketing. Mm. Tell us um, about that experience, you know, coming, you know, from Japan to the U.S., what that experience was like for you, you know, and then coming back as a, an adult. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I am... Uh you know, of Korean descent, um, third generation Korean, uh, to be exact, uh, born and raised in Japan, um, went to international school in Japan. So I always aspired to go to a school college and, uh, receive further education in the United States. So upon graduating high school, I went to Boston college between 93 to 97 where, as you mentioned, I studied uh, business, um, mainly uh, focusing on marketing and also double majored in philosophy. And um, upon graduating, I had a brief stint in the finance industry working, but, um, you know, during which time I had a chance to come back to Japan and me and my friend from high school who I had a band with jumped in the studio together and made a demo for old time's sake. And, you know, from there, um, my music career pretty much started. So that kind of brought me back to Japan. Um, you know, in the States, I was, uh, like I said, I was working and I was also, um, beginning to, uh, pursue, um, my master's degree and such. So I was, I was doing all types of things in the States, uh, in Boston, but, I had to pretty much leave that behind and, you know, come back to Japan to uh, continue doing music. And, you know, I've been, I've been here ever since, as you mentioned, 20 years. Yeah. Mm. And it almost didn't happen because you, like you mentioned, um, after, upon graduating, you also um, were studying theology, right? To become a pastor. Yes. um, It's, it's, it all happened very quickly within a short time. So, Mm-hmm. My um, college experience was uh, very, you know, um, like full on, like, you know, I, 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 I met very wonderful people um, who influenced me into, um, you know, studying philosophy, obviously, as I mentioned, and also um, pursuing theology because um, it, it, in college, you know, a, a lot of the Korean American friends that I had went to church and they would always ask me, yo, you should go to church. And, you know, I, I, I wasn't Christian uh, when I first entered college. So, you know, I would, you know, 
uh, start going to, um, you know, start uh, attending Bible studies just because, you know, my, my friends wouldn't, you know, keep, you know, they would keep bugging me about it. So I would go. And then <laughs> eventually I, you know, that and um, st- uh, the Bible study as well as the, uh, the f- philosophical studies, which I was receiving kind of, you know, synergized mm-hmm. and my interest to pursue theology pretty much increased. And, you know, that's why I decided to uh, pursue my master's for theology. Mm. So uh, uh, fast forward a little bit. So while in school, you met the beautiful young lady by the name of Yoon who, um, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> um, it's, I find your story very interesting because, um, I read that you all married, you, the two of you married in September of 2004, Stan and I got married in September mm-hmm. of 2004 as well. Yeah. And we are also wow. college, uh, sweethearts. So yeah. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> and, and business partners. And we're right? business partners. So okay, I did not know that first time hearing that and congratulations very thank you. Thank, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. So when I read that, I was like, oh, that's so good. I'm so happy. We have that in common already. Right. But I think it's great because, I mean, you know, since I mean, obviously you were well on your way by that time with, um, you know, that you were seeing some success um, from um, from your music. Um, and then upon starting your, your business ambush, um, how did you convince your girlfriend, your then girlfriend, to come to Japan, and how did that work out with her parents? <laughs> Convincing her parents to to give the okay. Yeah, so so like I said, it all happened so quickly um, towards the latter part of my um, uh, my college years um, when I was looking for a job, and then um, that's around the time I met her, and um, so as I said when music kind of started bringing me back to Japan. At that time, I was already dating uh, Yoon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were doing the long distance thing. So it's not like nowadays where we could just jump on Zoom or whatever, like a jump on a call or something like, you know, yeah. it was it was a proper long distance thing. And so yeah. during which time um, she was already graduated college and working in a graphic design firm. So I said, hey, you know, we should try to do something creative together because I was doing music and she was doing uh, graphics. I was like, why don't we, you know, start a design team or like a design agency or something, you know? Mm -hmm. It was just like off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And first she was like, oh, you know, it's really hard to start those things. And, you know, it's like a reality check. But I was like, hey, you never know. You've got to just try it to see if it works, you know? And then- Leap of faith. so it was like 2001, 2002. That's around the time when she had decided to come to Japan. And, you know, because we were a very um, a new, almost like a startup kind of design team, you know, I thought the name Ambush would be very um, appropriate because we would <laughs> have ideas and ambush the world with it. You know, <laughs> it was just kind of yeah. like, right. you know, um, it just off the top of my head, uh, an inspiration. So the name Ambush stuck with us ever since. Mm. 
Yeah, wow. and it and it's worked. I mean, that's exactly what you've done. I mean, between your collaborations with um, several artists and fashion houses, that's exactly what you guys mm. have done. Is is um, you know spark. Uh, some trouble in the in the industry, you know, but good trouble in the, <laughs> the best, best way. way. And then and then the dynamics of um, the way we started still exists today because, you know, um, she she's the designer, you know, mm-hmm. she's the person who is the genesis of and of the DNA of each collection that we present every season. Um, all the um, creative ideas and you know I would pretty much um, support her. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more the, you know, the guy doing the grunt work, if you will, you know, like right. doing more of the business side of things. Obviously, you know, I, I, I partake in the creative elements um, when necessary, but she's pretty much spearheads the whole, uh, you know, uh, design aspect and, you know, drive the whole uh, production team. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same, except we're doing fashion now. You know, um, we're doing um, jewelry, you know, jewelry and ready to wear and, you know, yeah, um, sure. yeah working out of Tokyo. That's awesome. So um, as as the world um, is is battling and dealing with the pandemic, how has that affected you um, as far as business? So, to, um, yes, the pandemic obviously has affected all of us and. You know, we're not us in Japan, you know, we're definitely not exempt from that. Um, Mm -hmm. Japan kind of, you know, was slow at reacting, you know, but me and Yun, we knew it was coming. You know, we would watch the uh, international news and saw how it was affecting everybody. We work uh, a lot with Europe, mainly Italy, and Italy was affected very fast. So, you know, speaking to our cohorts in Italy, we realize how this, you know, the gravity of it. So, um, you know, from around February, March, we started acting quickly. We knew the remote work uh, situation was going into effect. So, you know, we're telling our employees um, to get ready for it. So, you know, to answer your question, yeah, you know, like the um, like March, April is pretty tough, man. You know, it's just like, really hit us hard. Um, But during that time, we were sort of, you know, getting ready for that next step because after Corona, it's going to be that new normal, the word that everybody uses. Mm -hmm. It's going to change. It's not going to go back to what it used to be. So with the new scene, you know, how are we going to adapt? And then if anything, we're, you know, good at adapting. You know, we do, we want to always try new things. So we thought, hey, we had a lot of projects coming up for 2020, 2021, you know, we'll kind of flip it and switch it around and, you know, time it differently. You know, we would have different events coming up, but maybe it could be virtual. You know, we're just sort of, um, I'm changing the scenario and, um, reinventing each of the projects. So it makes sense with the current situation. And, you know, you have um, you guys have you personally have experienced other disasters while in business in in two, in 2011. Um, yeah. You had dropped Visionaire, which was your debut solo album. At the same time, there was unfortunately the Tohoku earthquake and tsunami right. that mm. sort of, you know, of course, took over um, 
all things business and, yeah. and personal. How did that affect you and how have you been able to challenge that? Wow. So yeah, 2011, you know, it's a prior to that, the 2008, the, 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 the financial crisis right. was what hit the world. You know, Japan was a little bit, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't as direct of a hit. It, it did, but it wasn't um, too consequ- consequential for what I was doing. But yeah, 2011 was um, just around the time, you know, when, I, like I said, like you mentioned, you know, getting ready for the drop of the Visionaire album. I was, that was my first solo album that, was re- that I was releasing. So I was super excited about it. Had a, had a you know, list of great, uh, features and you know great producer team that I was working with but yeah when the earthquake hit you know Japan's an archipelago with you know many earthquakes throughout the year you know um, Stan you know I'm sure when you were in Japan you experienced some you know it's so so we're very used to these earthquakes but this was big you know um, I, I remember I was having a meeting in my office um, with a gentleman and when the quake hit, it shook the building so hard that the wall, which uh, the monitor TV was mounted, cracked. Oh you know, it just split. And we're like, oh, shit. And you know, like, we're like, let's get out of this building. <laughs> right. So we ran down the stairs. And my office is located um, kind of diagonally from Tower Records, the only one that still exists yeah. today. Um, right. Yeah, you right. know it. So... Um, so, so Tower Records was shaking. The antennas on top of the buildings were like, it was just like, swir- you know, what right. do you call it? It was just like going back and forth like metronome. Swim. Like it was crazy, yeah. you know? Wow. Um, some buildings, windows were cracked. Um, people were like in the middle of the street. You know, cars weren't um, going through the uh, streets because, um, you know, just people were using the, the main roads to sort of evacuate, if you will. So... Yeah, it was a very scary moment and the news the media network was mainly used for um you know informing the the citizens of what's happening and such so you know it, yeah it was it was a very um uh you know serious uh moment it was very it, it was very um you know yeah it's scary to just put yeah. it, you know, to say the least. And yeah, and it affected my release of the album. Mm. And, you know, the the name of the uh, the main single that I had was called Blackout. So that wasn't right. really appropriate at that time right. either right. because there was right. a lot of blackouts. And so for me, um, I took the, you know, difficult decisions to not really promote it. Because um, I thought that wasn't really um, a time to sort of express my certain ways of um, doing my art form at that time. So I kind of put it to rest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You, you've you had uh, a very like amazing career and was it 20, 20 plus years in the industry. And so I think. Uh, I think it's safe to say your ability to adapt um, over these decades has been um, crucial to your success. And so what would you contribute? Uh, what are the specific things that you think you've had to do that have contributed to your um, 
your sustainability, I guess, in the industry and how you've been able to maintain a successful career? Man, you know, just staying curious, mm. you know, <laughs> and the having great mentors around me who are always striving to um, be better, you know, they would give me a reality check. Mm-hmm. So um, those two things really um, uh, put me, you know, uh, on, you know, on the spot all the time, if you will, you know, always asking myself, am I doing my best? You know, am I, mm-hmm. you know, um, evolving? So, you know, you know, I'm, I, I always have love for music, mainly hip hop, you know, that's mm-hmm. where I started. Um, so I'm always asking myself, you know, how's hip hop evolving? How's music evolving? You know, I, I remember with you, Stan, you know, when you were in Japan, mm-hmm. like many years ago, we would talk about, the certain types of music and that at that time there were certain trends and I think we we're like, Oh yeah, I don't know if that's like cool or whatever, you know, yeah. but some of the things remain to be cool and some of the things didn't, but you know, sure. um, who, who knows what happens, you know, with, uh, with the, with the creative industry. So for me, I'm, I'm trying to keep like a very um, open mind, you know, trying to stay humble, you know, I'm always trying to adapt um, to the new technologies that's up mm-hmm. and coming. I mean, I'm always interested in like the business side of the, um, the industry as well. So right. I'm always, uh, you know, you know, trying to find the best way for an artist or even myself to try to, um, be seen, you know, mm. to be, um, recognized. Mm. But also reinvent yourself too. I mean, you have, um, Prior to being named Verbal, you used to go by your former name, L Universe. What mm. was the um, what was the cause for the change? What was the reason behind it? <laughs> it, it? It wasn't really a change, you know. So, so my thing was, I always looked up the artists that had different monikers and aliases. You know, I thought it was always mm. cool. Um, you know, I always liked the the variability of uh, of of how an artist could um, have one identity but also have another you know i I, it's kind of hard to explain but hip-hop was very eye-opening for me growing up in japan because you know for example rock and roll if you are like a rock and roll guitarist you can't be a real estate agent you know (laughs) you know if you if you're like a rock and roll artist it's like oh i do fashion business like you do business that's not cool you gotta like stick Mm. to your guns and only play the best guitar or something like, I don't know, like when I was growing up, like you only had to do like one thing. So I was like, why? I was, uh, I was a skateboarder growing, growing up and you know, I love hip hop, but back Mm -hmm. when I was skating, people were like, Oh, you listen to like hip hop. It's like, you got to listen to like, you know, suicidal tendencies, which I also did, but I was Mm -hmm. like, why can't you listen to different things and like the skateboard, you know, like now it's not like that, but um, when I was growing up, people always had to be like, had to have stick to one craft, mm-hmm. but, mm. um, um, you know, I don't mean to divert the conversation, but I just no, want to explain fine. this to, uh, to kind of address the, um, uh, uh, address this so that it's, it's, it's more clear why I, I named myself differently, but, um, hip hop allowed me to sort of, or introduce me to the concept of, you know, being a, an artist for yourself, but also 
I don't know, you could be like a ghostwriter. Like I, I know like um, Big Daddy Kane was like ghostwriting. Nas was ghostwriting. I know like I'm right. I heard Jay-Z used to ghostwrite for like yeah. Foxy Brown, yeah. whatever, you know, but yeah. they were like not ashamed of it. It was cool. Like it was right. just like, hey, who cares? It's like, you know, Sugar Hill Gang, they didn't write their own songs, but people sure. like the music. Like there was like, who cares? But around that time, the context was, oh, you're not writing your own shit. Like, you know, but for mm -hmm. me, it's like, if, if it's entertainment, it's entertainment. And right. people were so like open about it, you know, doing business side hustles. And I was like, wow, that's like, so, so like, you know, I don't know, like, uh, like, you know, you're, you're just so, so forthright about um, evolving, you know, mm -hmm. because that's just how evolution of humankind, you got to like do what you can, like, you know, after a war, you know, you could be a cobbler, but you can't just keep making shoes. Maybe you might have to utilize that skill to do something else. But anyway, um, right. I don't, I don't want to divert too much, digress too much. But for me, um, when I named myself L Universe, it was around the time when, like I said, I, I was coming out with my first record for my mm -hmm. group M Flow. That was like 1999. Mm -hmm. um, and around that time, I had met Nujabes at the same time so and the way i met nujibes was before my first record for m flow came out i was i was letting him hear my demo for yeah. m flow i was like yo I'm, I'm starting this new um group and i was always going to his record store called guinness records mm -hmm. you know and rest in peace nujibes you know yeah. um super influential producer Absolutely. um you know it's like a big brother so anyway, um, I was at Guinness Records. He was playing my tape and he was like, yo, you should come to my house and do a song. I was <laughs> like, for real? I'm like, you produce? He was like, yeah, I'm starting to. So that's before Hideout Production started, right? This right. is like 1997 or 1998. Wow. So I was like, okay, word. You know, so I, I, I went to his place. Um, he had this setup, you know. <laughs> And back then it was really different for a person to just have a setup at home with a bunch of records and just recording out of the house. It was, it was, it was like a new, new thing, you know, you, because people were more mostly like, yo, you got to go to a studio. But he was like, why? I could just record out of my living room. I'm like, right. cool. That's like, that's so dope. I'm mm -hmm. like, <laughs> and he was very influential in that, um, you know, mode of thinking. But anyway, so I would, I, I went there, recorded, but it was all in English because that's how I was inspired to record. And when mm. I did, he was like, so, okay, we, we want to press some vinyls. I was like, what? That's so cool. Like, we're going to, we're going to put this out. Let's, let's do it. And mm. then he was like, so are you going to be verbal? And that's when I was like, ah, well, I want to separate my imagery from what I was doing in Japan right. because, mm -hmm. because that M flow, you know, not to toot my own horns, but that was, picking up very quickly yeah. and it was picking up in the like a billboards of japan it's called like oricon in japan but it's picking up on the charts you know and mm -hmm. i was getting some you know tv press and whatnot and you know with the general public noticing i i, I knew back then that i would have to sort of um cater my crafts for m flow to the japanese public whereas mm -hmm. i came from a place where i was listening to underground music you know i was like around that time i was like heavily into company flow yeah. you know yeah. super into like cool keys and artists like this i was like right. okay in order for me to retain that i might have to you know create a new moniker for myself where i would just 
do whatever I like. So I was like, Nujabes, I'm going to call myself L Universe. He was like, cool. <laughs> 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 he, he, he just wanted to put out good music. He didn't care. Yeah, so that's right. how my first record with him called Ain't No Mystery happened. Yeah, well, I got the vinyl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. That's all. Yeah, because it, it's crazy. When I met you uh, in 2000, you know, uh, of course, I met you as L Universe. And I think maybe I can't remember if it was right before the session or after the session uh, that we hung out when uh, when uh, Jun had told me that um, when he had told me about verbal, right, your alter ego. And um, and then it helped me realize he's like, oh, like this guy's like really big. I don't know if you know about him. Flowing. No. And, it, <laughs> and it was wild because I I mean, and you and, and to your credit, man, you're you always been such a, a really nice and humble person. Right. Like probably uh, what then probably the opposite of what people expect from a, a pop star, so to speak. Right. Um, you've just always you've consistently been like the, just this this very humble and gracious guy the entire time I've known you. And so um, but it's wild. But like I'm always uh, it's always refreshing when I think about all that you've accomplished and how and how humble you've remained and how down to earth you remain. Because to this day, man, I, I've never told you, but, you know, as somebody who's worked in education for over 20 years, uh, I come across students, man, like, you know, kids who aren't even 20 years old, who like, who know who M-Flow uh, like is, you know, little black oh, wow. kids. Yeah, little black kids from like the the area I grew up. And uh, when I posted the pick for Throwback Thursday, uh, one of my former students, one of my former students is like, wait, wait, like verbal, like M-Flow verbal, like, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, so like your you, what you've done still right, resonates, still resonates to this day with like, you know, um, uh, with the younger generation. Um, and it's just beautiful to see. And it's great to see, like I said, again, for like uh, for one of the good guys, man. You know, what I mean, like I truly feel like that about you and, um, and, and some of our um, a lot of our peer group. Uh, we we use the hashtag uh, our friends are dope, right? Like my friends are dope, <laughs> and so like I I love I love seeing that because it's not what um, it's very much not what people think of when they think of uh, pop stars, so to speak. So so kudos to you uh, on that. Wow, and 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 just to mention, yeah, um, thank you for your um, you know very um, high like kind words but yeah that that photo that you put up i had that weird mug and i was like wow dude why was i making that kind of <laughs> it's like a, we're just joking around but you know yeah, I, I, yeah. Think I had to have that rapper face or something yeah. i don't know what right. it was but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it was a good time man i yeah. that brought a lot of memories back yeah, no, that was uh like in yeah when you talk about recording in the living room, we, that was Park Ave Studios is what he used to call it and uh that's where we were, you know, um, in New Jabez's living room. And, and you know the monorisic, you know, mm-hmm. aka Dextreme yes. that was on the, you know, such a great photo guy. as well. You know, rest in peace to him as well. He Absolutely. was like the funniest, wildest guy. That's I why knew. you were making the face. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, he used to live in this like small apartment, right? Before, mm-hmm. I mean, he he eventually would move on, um, and you know, um, into a bigger spot. But when he first sure. came to Tokyo, he was a rock star, right? So yeah. he was like, yo, I'm going to come to Tokyo with just the guitar and I'm going to make it. 
Right. But then like the first night he went to a club that played hip hop and he was like, Oh, forget that. I'm going to be a DJ. So that's how, yeah. he, like, that's how he went from wanting wow. to become a rock star to becoming a, a DJ. And then he started producing and he mm-hmm. was quick with it. You know, he would bang out beats and, yeah. you know, and also, um, yeah, he was, he was the most hilarious guy. He would like he really light was. up the room. You know, Absolutely. I remember like we would get on uh, June's car, Nujabes' car with him and you. I think we were all in the car together, like heading to some restaurant. Uh-huh. We would just kick it. And yeah, man, he would he would he would definitely like light up any room. And Absolutely. you know, yeah, definitely, man. It was good times. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, yeah. you also you also um, produce you've directed music videos mm-hmm. Um, you even on top of, of course, having your own company, but, um, you also DJ. Well, <laughs> um, I, I, I would say like, I still can, but not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was heavily into it. Um, f- till about three, four years ago, I was DJing at ultra ultra music festival Tomorrowland, And, mm-hmm. you know, I was really, really into it. And, you know, uh, a lot of the other, work that I do was, you know, I had to start to prioritize as, as sure. fun as it was. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it took a toll on me, you know, because look, I mean, if you go to Belgium just to go DJ, you know, unless you have like some circuit going on around Europe or, you know, some guys, this is their like main core business. Right. So for me, right. I would DJ, but you know, I would also produce music for the, like, um, in Japan. And I would also run my uh, fashion brand ambush. So, you know, um, eventually my DJing slowed down just because I was having too much fun with it. And, you know, I didn't (laughs) want it to take time away from, from business. So, um, eventually I might pick it up again though. Right. Right. You've also, um, so after, um, disbanded you um you've worked with other groups you've actually worked with- actually we're still doing m flow right now yeah really yeah, okay. They, yeah. okay yeah yeah for the record yeah, yeah for the record uh, um so my uh so when i started when we started m flow it was me the producer taku who i went to um school with since elementary school yeah. and then lisa mm-hmm. the vocalist right and um after doing two albums she had left the group to pursue her solo career. Mm-hmm. And after that, we would feature different artists on an album, you know, cause we were very, very influenced by Neptune. So we would coin right. the phrase M flow loves so-and-so instead of saying featuring. And that mm-hmm. pretty much, um, you know, picked up and that became our phase two of our career. Right. And then three years ago, Lisa, you know, we've been always asking her to come back to the group. So she did. And, Right now, we're still making music, you know. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so awesome. so we're still going around. Um, and we started touring the States from about two years ago. We were performing at uh, LA's Anime Expo. We went to Anime nice. Central in Chicago. We realized that a lot of people appreciate Maybe your students might, you know, Stan, know this, mm-hmm. but we did a lot of songs for anime and also for games. And yeah. there's a huge population yes. in the States that really appreciates Japanese anime, oh. Japanese games and such. And they Absolutely. recognize us, you know, it was, it was crazy. So, um, 
<laughs> when I was on stage in uh, Microsoft Theater two years ago, we were like, okay, it's our first time performing in the States as M-Flow. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to know us, but let's just have fun. Right. And we go out, there's like 5,000 people. Yeah. And they were like singing our hooks in Japanese, you know? It was yeah. the most surreal experience. Yeah. And, and I was like, yo, of course, because 120,000 people come to Anime Expo because mm-hmm. they like anime. Absolutely. Of, of course, they would know or at least like have an inkling of what we're about. So that really yeah. put us on that um, the anime map, if you will. And, you know, we've been we've been doing that, going hard on that ever since. And, you know, it's it's been a ride. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see, man. Like I, I had the pleasure of meeting uh, Taku at um, at uh, Otakon um, last oh, year. Oh, yeah, that's yes. right. That's yeah, right. so uh, we sat on a panel together, and that's where I met uh, Mimi for the first time as well. And so, um, yeah, man, no, you guys, there. I mean, it's it's just a it's it's a crazy scene. Um, you know, I myself am a music director for um, a convention called BlurredCon. Uh, right. Blurred just is a black nerd, and um, yeah, and there's <laughs> just a huge yeah, and it's it's a huge i mean you guys have a huge following here in the states um and it's like it's always um you know as somebody who's just been going back and forth to japan since you know for like 20 years now um it's just so dope to see like uh see like people who when i first started going um i just it just seemed so separate like uh in those days um and now to see like uh you know, just like how, like globally, like just how, how far the reach is, you know, um, it's just beautiful, man. It's really, really dope. I, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying about back then, you know, if you were into hip hop, mm. you have to be a certain, you have to come from a certain background or you have to only right. be a certain, you know, it was like a racial thing almost. Um, yeah. If you're a skater, you can only listen to certain types of music. If you're into anime, you have to be a certain way. You have to look a certain certain way, right. you know, and such. But now, man, like with the, you know, with social media, it's, it's the lines yeah. are like, you know, there's there's no there's no boundaries, you know. Right. It's like whatever whatever makes sense makes sense. Whatever is cool is cool. Um, you know, just recently when Travis Scott did that show on Fortnite. I mean, mm-hmm. 20 years ago, who would think a hip hop artist would be performing virtually inside a game? Right. You know, back amazing. then people would be like, oh, that's that's a that's, you're a nerd or something. You know, like people right. would kind of point fingers at you. But I'm like, I've, you know, in Japan, we've always been about that. You know, yeah. like my, my father, my father ran a game arcade. So I've been a nerd ever since I was born. So, right. I was like, <laughs> you know, um, so, so it's now I love how it is, how everybody's so open about it. And I love yeah. how the students come up to you and you guys could so openly speak about different cultures. You know, that's beautiful, man. Yeah, no, it's great. It's it's great. Some other groups um, that you've worked with are uh, the bandit, Mike bandits. Yeah. Um, then you also had teriyaki boys. Mm-hmm. Um, folks yeah. might be familiar with the fast and the furious Tokyo drift. Um, that's going do- on right now. Everybody's, yeah. um, <laughs> Yo, uh, not a spoiler, but Little Yachty's officially um, asking us to use if they can, if we can, if if, you know, if he can use the track for our Tokyo Drift to do his own rendition of it. So by this time, the song mm. should be out. Okay, wow. good. Huh. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know what? Um, I was actually supposed to be in Coachella this past 
April, you know, because really? obviously because of uh, that pandemic, everything got canceled right. and such. But um, I'm currently working with uh, 88 Rising. Mm, yeah, I'm familiar. Uh, shout out to Sean Miyashiro. Um, you know, him and I, we, we, we kind of like working on a couple different projects. And he was like, yo, you guys should you guys should represent Japan. I was like, yeah, I don't know what so. song should we do? He's like, oh, you guys have to do Tokyo Drift, dude. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, okay, let me let me talk to Nigo. Let me bring back the um, um, the guys, you know, call the guys up and see what we could do. So we were all, like, amped up to do it, you oh. know. So um, hopefully, you know, if Coachella happens again or if another um, 88 Rising stage happens again, you know, we'd love to jump on and, you know, That'd be do awesome. this. But 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 in the meanwhile, like on social media, Rich Brian, all these other artists, they were mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, you know, doing the remixes, like throwing their own verses down, and you know, right. continuing the legacy. So that was really you know, we really re appreciate it. It's fun watching these people yeah. do it. So now, Little Yachty is gonna make it official. So I'm super excited about that. That's dope. That's awesome. Hey, if you uh, if you guys uh, you know, when things uh, when when our new normal is in full swing, um, yeah. you know, if, yeah, definitely let us know the next time you're stateside. It's it's funny because eighty eight rising, um, they did a concert. We're really close to uh, we're in the Washington D.C. area, and so um, they actually did a huge concert over at the MGM, which is about ten minutes from where we are now. So yeah, definitely let us know, man. You know, like we'll 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 come out and see you. It'd be great to see you on this side of things. The one thousand percent. I have to go to uh, I have to go to your school to see like how you're teaching and how you're doing your thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's funny these days. So so you know now that uh, with substantial art and music, uh, we're kind of um, we're full time doing this. Uh, yeah. But um, the education we do now is more for like uh, consulting various like artists and musicians. Um, and okay, then okay. I still work at uh, I still work with Omega School, which is an audio engineering school where I teach uh, music business classes. But definitely, man, they I keep in touch with a lot of these students and they come to all of the conventions that I that I'm at. You know, what I mean, so uh, we'll we'll figure it out. I'll find a way. <laughs> you know, what I mean, yeah, they, they yes, would love please. it. Please. That'll be that'll be dope to, you know, kick it and, you know, yeah. catch up, man. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. And take new pictures. Yes, get yeah. some new pictures. <laughs> take new pictures. Yeah, <laughs> this time without a mug. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So, uh, producing. Do are you? Do you perform as an executive producer? Do you? Are you creating beats as well? Like, walk us through that whole process of you producing, and then also with directing. Do you plan to do any future projects as well? Yeah. So, um, in terms of producing. I was heavily into the creative aspect of it when I, you know, first started, you know, back, you know, I started producing the Mike Bandits, like you mentioned, this uh, female rap duo, Heartsdales, like that was like 2003, like, you know, this, this, I was like super inspired to bring hip hop into the Japan mainstream, you know, mm -hmm. I was bringing these really eclectic group of MCs and, you know, having them throw down like crazy verses, mm. you know, unexpected flows over certain types of melodies. I, I, I thought that was super fun. So I was doing that. And then eventually, you know, I passed the torch onto some of the team uh, members because, you know, 
there's so much things coming through. I was doing features at the same time and my uh, ambush was starting up. So um, right now I oversee a group of producers and Mm -hmm. I uh, work in a entertainment company called LDH where I also oversee the uh, a label and also the uh, music and publishing. So um, what I'm trying, what I do mainly now as a guy sort of behind the scenes mm-hmm. is to sort of, you know, bridge the gap between Japan and the rest of the world. Because as you know, Japan, even to this day is very closed. You know, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's got its a unique culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the music industry itself as well. Like I said, we have the last standing power records in the world. So right. that's telling of what kind of music industry we have. Like people still talk about, yo, how are we going to sell CDs? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not talking about vinyl because young kids think it's cool. Like people still properly like try to make money off of CDs. Like it's, it's happening. Yeah. 2020, you know? Right. So um, Japan's very different. So what I do is, um, bridge the gap, uh, you know, make the, the Japanese musicians understand the, the cre- difference in the creative aspect as well as the commercial aspects of the business. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on a B2B level, I try to introduce some of the new startup and different platforms, uh, music platforms that people utilize to, um, for, you know, publishing and such, mm. and, you know, try to synergize with the current state of Japan and the Japanese music industry and the rest mm. of the world. You know, you were, um, I read an article, you were quoted as being very much inspired by Andy Warhol's quote, making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. Would you say, is that still true today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, um, that, for me, that quote was very hip hop mm-hmm. in the sense that not that hip hop is all about money, you know, but it, it allows for um, different all different walks of life. Um, and it, it, it allow it's, it's conducive for people who are maybe struggling to think, why can't I be creative and also be business savvy at the same time? So I feel like I felt like that quote embodied that. And the fact that Andy Warhol said it, I thought that was hilarious. So yeah, yeah. to this day I you know, I, 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 I somehow agree. And come the garçon, the fashion brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um I I don't wanna misquote this, but I remember Ray Kawakubo of Come de Garçon saying something uh of the same effect. So I was like, ah, you know, two people that I really, really respect saying the same thing and it kind of has like a certain like for me I personally like a hip-hop root and i'm thinking wow that's cool you know eh. you know so um for me i still kind of yeah believe that mm. yeah wow how important would you say though is the, um the business side of the performing arts because i think um as you've said, and as as several artists, you know, are, there's a lot of artists who like to stay in that lane. They like to just create, but then um, end up, um, you know, having a lot of challenges when it comes to the business side. How important is business to you as a performing artist? 
I think it's very important um, because, you know, if you're an artist, if you're creative, you don't want to, you know, leave your life in the hands of someone mm. who might potentially take advantage of you, you know? So to be wise about, you know, every step you take, you know, if you believe in your craft, especially, you know, you want to make sure that it's represented correctly and you're getting the, you know, right end of the stick, if you, so to speak. So for me, understanding business is very important. And, and the more you get into it, the way the evolution of it's very exciting, you know, so mm. um, pretty much like I was mentioning about the different startups that I work with and, you know, it, 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 it almost opens up a, a new realm of creativity for me when I meet these different um, uh, business creatives, I will put it that way. So for me, um, me, uh, the business and the creative goes hand in hand. Yeah. So, um, and so one question, uh, I oftentimes ask creatives, um, because, Especially, I think it's uh, it's very important in the times where we're in right now, this moment we're having right now. I think it's important in general just to, uh, to be able to balance out um, one's ability to make, uh, you know, make a living off of actual performance as in being out here in the world uh, yeah. versus passive income and being able to find a good balance um, in that. Um, and I feel like that's especially like uh, relevant at this particular moment, right, where people can't really physically be present to do their work um, to make a living. Um, and so how I would say, how do you go about balancing that? Like uh, and if you were able to, I guess, uh, guess like how much uh like what percentage of the living you make off of this is passive versus you having to physically be present. If you don't mind sharing that, of course. No, no, of course. <laughs> I don't know about the percentage per se, because I, I dabble with a lot of th different things. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think when I first started <clears throat> working in the music industry, there was a person that mentioned this to me. Um, and it was a it was a record company promoter mm -hmm. who said, "Oh, you know what? Um, please make a hit, and by doing so, you'll do us a favor, and you do yourself a favor, and live the royalty life." I'm like, "What do you mm -hmm. mean?" He's like, "You know, you could just be sitting around and royalty money coming in, and you know, basically to your point, it's like a passive, you know, income, yeah. if you will, if that's right. what you mean." And for me, I thought I thought I was like, "Wow, okay." um what's a royalty like you know mm -hmm. and it, it like i you know i don't want to stress it in a sense that you know it's a, you, you you shouldn't do music just for the sake of royalty but i thought uh. wow okay so by having these passive incomes coming and you could sort of focus on other things and right. you know keep um working on uh uh you know, different projects. So for, um, for me, uh, you know, I, I, I think that was sort of a point of excitement for me. I thought, Hey, that motivated me to make good songs, do different projects, you know, whatever I was into. And I thought, Hey, whatever creative stuff I do, um, it'll 
be exciting for the rest of the world as well as it's going to generate income for the right. for the future to come so i thought you know i was really creating these assets for myself that will keep generating income for me with that obviously like it, it's pretty much like the uh, main pillars of business is you know making music doing live shows and merch and mm-hmm. you know we we're, we're heavy into that here in japan with the production company that i work with as well mm-hmm. with the music kind of you know, getting a, a slowing down a little bit and the live show slowing down. Everyone's sort of now focusing on the online virtual situation, you know? Right. So I've been actually working uh, for the past couple of years on how we can make our virtual presence stronger because mm-hmm. in the future, you know, you'll be selling tickets online. You'll be buying merch online, like skin, mm-hmm. you know, on right. It's like clothing, if you will, for the for the artists and such. And um, you can buy like light sticks online, and you know, so that's that's like a whole different commerce right there. So um, yeah. But anyway, um, for me right now, I I would say my my rough guess is like a over half sixty percent of pass is passive income right now. Right. Yeah, right. and then um, the the rest is me trying to generate new ones, you know, right. um, uh, trying to find that new entrance into the into a new business, if you will. You know, listening to you talk about um, the many businesses that you dabble into, um, how much would you say? Because you did study um, business and marketing, how much of that did you? you attribute that to your schooling versus just real life um, experience? For me, um, when I was there, I was heavily into marketing because I thought, wow, you know, Madonna keeps reinventing herself and revamping Madonna, the business. And people could um, attribute the same person as a, as a, as a new entity. And I thought that concept was very, very interesting. Mm. You know, over the years, I would see different artists is even in the hip hop realm doing different things. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think my education in Boston college studying marketing really helped, um, book wise. And also with some of the experiences I had, um, from the projects I was involved in. Like, for example, this is a funny story. So, um, but for one of my classes, we're supposed to um, just come up with a, um, like a fictional product and sell it, right? So I came up with this thing called Kasai Floormaster 2000. So it was 1994, so the year 2000, something futuristic. Anyway, right. I, um, I cut up a bucket to make it look like it was this automated floor cleaning robot that would have a sensor that wouldn't bump into the walls. Right. Hmm. So I would make this video on VHS and pulling it with a string and my, my, uh, my teammates would videotape it. And then, uh, a a teammate, her last name was Kasai and obviously a Japanese name, Toyota Honda. Like it's, it it rings this, like, you know, it, it rings a certain, like, um, like branding, uh, Bell, if you will. So um, we called it Kasai Floormaster 2000. And then um, 
you know, I presented this automated, you know, uh, floor cleaning robot, pretty much like a Roomba. And then, mm -hmm. um, that yeah. was fun. We got an A for that project. They were like, oh, that's such a cool concept. Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know when that's going to happen, but that's cool. You know, <laughs> fast forward, someone comes up with Roomba. I was like, oh shit. Like, you know, so I, that's when I learned, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need the trademark. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, I was like, oh, that was like so stupid of me. And but you know what? Maybe someone was already in the making with it. So yeah. I don't want to yeah. take credit for it saying that I came up with it first. But right. or at least around that time when I was mentioning it, my teacher back then was like, wow, that's that's a genius concept. And maybe you mm -hmm. should go into like, you know, engineering or something. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe. But, you know, I don't have the smarts for it. So I just stick to marketing. You know, but anyway, <laughs> so, so for me, I learned. Um, the importance of trademarking. Um, yeah, just life lessons, man. Yeah. And, and the importance of action, right? Like once, oh, yeah. like, yeah, like you, you have that, you have a great idea. And I, I think so many of us as creatives, we get hit with so many ideas and things that we could potentially uh, move on. But, uh, but in this industry, you know, that's, that's our entire peer group, right? Like everyone's doing that. So it's, that action is important um, as well, you know. But yeah, nah, that yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were, you were, <laughs> you ahead were, of your time. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so before we close out, I just wanted to um, ask: so, what is on the forefront for you all at Ambush? Like, what are any? What are your upcoming projects? Yeah, what's on the horizon? Yeah. So look, you know, we've done. We work with Nike, Converse. Um, we just released our Astro Boy figure. Um, we're, we're always about mm -hmm. collabs. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, um, we've been doing the Paris collection, uh, fashion weeks, and such. But you know, you know, everybody knows on the news that now the men's week is canceled. You know, potentially mm -hmm. uh, September upcoming shows are canceled. Gucci, Saint Laurent, they're pretty much leaving the fashion calendar to do their own thing. So mm. uh, there's a lot of change going on in mm. the fashion industry. So for us as well, like I was mentioning earlier, we're all about change. You know, we're, you know, we're excited to take on the challenge. So um, we're working on new designs, Unis, and um, we're looking to work towards the next collection and how to show it. And um, it could become virtual. Um, we're mm -hmm. uh, currently building a new system to show the world what's coming next. So, you know, um, I guess stay tuned, you know, okay. we'll, we'll keep everybody posted. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. Yeah. Verbal, thank you so, so very much. We appreciate you, This brother. was a great, great conversation. We really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. We wish you the best of luck and continued success to you and Yoon and your and your whole team. So yeah, thank absolutely. you. Wow, thank you. It was good to, uh, you know, see you, see you face to face, Stan. And then yeah. nice to meet you, Rochelle. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to catching up in Washington, D.C. Yes. on your way. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. This podcast has been brought to you by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartmusic.com. 
You can also follow us on social media at Sub Art Music. We'll see you soon, but talk to you sooner. Peace.